0: Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. Chris King is the Chief Policy
1: Officer, at Siemens Digital Grid, joining us on Money FM this morning. Chris, good morning and welcome.
2: Thank you for having me, Glenn.
1: Great to have you here. You're in from San Francisco. Um, you are somebody who uh, kind of leads the strategy and regulatory initiatives worldwide around metering, e-mobility, grid mobilization, things like that. Uh, talk to us. Um, talk to us what you th- what you see is kind of uh, the 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 environment now around electric vehicles, especially what's happening in the U.S. and and the kind of advancements that are being made around electric mobility.
2: Yeah, what we're seeing is people are really adopting these things. It's uh, In this industry, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Mm. And what we're seeing is the price of the vehicles is coming down. And by 2025, according to Bloomberg, they expect that, these vehicles will be cheaper, actually, than internal combustion engine vehicles. So that removes the biggest barrier for adoption, mm-hmm. and there are all sorts of other reasons to adopt these things. Yeah,
1: and, and you've been working a lot on the sort of the grid part of it, the, the, the charging platforms and things like mm-hmm. that. Where are we in the actual technology around not just getting these vehicles on the road but keeping them on the road and making them useful for people?
2: Well, the charging infrastructure is actually a huge barrier. Mm. You know, people worry about range anxiety and getting public charging available. And so that's one of the things that we have been focused on, working with policymakers and providing incentives, providing regulations and building codes that can promote the
1: installation of that charging infrastructure. Interesting. Uh, Talking with Chris King, who is the chief
0: policy officer at Siemens Digital Grid this morning. Yeah, and in recent days, let alone weeks, we've seen a real shift in terms of global attitudes towards climate change, uh, sustainability. We're seeing lots of protests around the world, extinction rebellion, this idea that we must move away from fossil fuels and uh, towards more sustainable alternatives to power, our vehicles, our transport. Do you sense that in your industry, that it just seems to have been a real shift quite rapidly in the last few years or so? We've seen that actually even in the last
2: just few months. Yeah. We've seen that acceleration. You see the UN climate action mm. going on right now. And on the adoption of these vehicles, it's, it we've seen it uh, really accelerate in the last year or so. There was a slow uptake relatively starting, you know, back in 2010 when Nissan introduced the Leaf. Mm. There was a lot of excitement back then. And then there was kind of a blah, you know, for several years. And then Tesla came out with their Model S They came out with the Model 3, and the Model 3 has just exploded yeah. in the market.
1: Now, you're, you're based in California, obviously. California is, is more progressive than many uh, places, not only in the U.S., but globally around that. What is, what is the push, uh, the drive, if you pr- pr- pardon the pun, uh, for electric vehicles in California? And, and, and you know, I would imagine California is, is very much a leader in adoption of this.
2: Absolutely. Half the EV sold in the U.S. or in California. Wow. But what might surprise you, actually, is that a lot of this is just about fun. It's about a better consumer experience. People get in these cars, they drive them, and they love driving them. Hmm. So the environmental benefit is a good one. And then you look at the economics, and that's where people start seeing how much they're saving. Hmm. And so once they get in an EV, nobody wants to go back to an internal
0: combustion car. Well, that yeah. was going to be my next question, which was, what were traditionally the stumbling blocks or the obstacles to this technology? Because to to a layman, it seems a no-brainer. It's better for the environment. Potentially, it's cheaper. So what were the traditional stumbling blocks? Was it really cost or was it the influence of the oil industries? What, 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 was, what, what has held us back for so long towards going electric?
2: Really, the availability of a vehicle that most people could afford. Mm. So you had these more expensive EVs come out several years ago, and then you also only had limited models. You had the LEAF, which if you'd like, you could either like it or not like it. If you didn't like it, um, it wasn't there. Now we're starting to see a lot more models coming out, and a big barrier to that has been the cost of batteries. So batteries were very expensive, and the cost has come down by 80% Mm. for batteries from 2010 and it's expected to go further
1: back in the um, in the early 1980s my family had an electric car and in those oh. days, it was more of a, a kit kind of kit car hobby car. My dad was actually the president of the Fox Valley uh, Electric Car Association in uh, in the western <laughs> suburbs of, of uh, Chicago. And um, the one the car we had was a converted 1950s Renault Dauphine, and it was part of a project actually that General Motors did back in the in the 60s, where they took a bunch of cars and they they converted them, and then they gave up on the program. They vaulted all the technology and they gave the cars away uh, to, to hobbyists basically, mm. and that's. How we came upon ours, and but I remember in those days it was a, a very simple motor. It was you know a bunch of really heavy lead acid batteries. To your point about the uh, the battery consumption, and it, it was really it was interesting, but it it was nowhere near what you know what was useful and practical for most people. It was a hobbyist's uh, type of thing. The 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 changes we've seen in forty years uh, in that technology. Um, are are just so amazing. And and now finally, uh, you know, the big car makers are coming back on board. You know, these electric cars are nothing new. They've they've been looking at them, studying them for probably more than 50 years now. Um, Is it just because of the uh, environmental imperative and the societal imperative that they're finally getting back into the game? Or is it because the technology is really driving?
2: It's a combination of innovation and entrepreneurship and technology. Right? So if you look at what Tesla has done, it makes me think of kind of mobile phones. When I mean, you look back, even in the 1960s, you had telephones in yeah. cars, right? Sure. Yeah, that's right. And then it really wasn't... Big, big ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you used to call them bricks, right? Yeah, wep- yeah. weapon size. The, the
1: Motorola, you could really beat somebody with it if you had to protect yourself. <laughs>
2: exactly. Right? And then, you know, 2007, we get the iPhone... Completely transforms the industry, yeah, and that's what Tesla has done here. I mean, if you get in a Tesla it's a, and I'm not trying to sell Tesla here it's just a good example of an EV because all the other manufacturers are doing the same thing, but you get into, into it it's a completely different experience you, you know it's almost silent, you get this fantastic pickup when you're driving and performance and almost no maintenance expense
0: yeah, right? and you, you said you were in Malaysia earlier in the week, so you've been in Malaysia mm-hmm. you're in Singapore now. How is the mood towards electric vehicles in Southeast Asia? Are they more open or there's still some resistance there? How, how are you finding it in this part of the world? Finding a lot less
2: attention, frankly. Right. And, and, but we're starting to see more. I mean, we we saw the uh, speech that the prime minister gave on National Day and yeah. how climate change is a national security issue. and. Electrifying transportation really is one of the best solutions for that.
0: Well, this is the thing I never quite understood is that again correct me if i'm wrong but singapore would be ideal for electric vehicles i would imagine because there's no huge highways where charging stations would have to be hundreds of kilometers apart you could put charging stations in our hdb housing estates in our condos they could be every couple of kilometers as petrol Mm. stations currently are so uh, uh, how do you look at a uh, a city like singapore surely it would be a great template wouldn't it i would have thought For electric vehicles,
2: yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things you have here in Singapore is you actually have a lot of excess generation capacity Mm -hmm. in the power industry, right? And power prices have really come down, and and you now have retail competition. And there's one power provider who's selling free Sundays. So can you imagine, you know, charging your EV on Sunday for free and then driving it all week? And as you said, the driving distances are not far.
1: Talking with Chris King, Mm -hmm. who is the chief policy officer of Siemens Digital Grid. Chris, one of the arguments that is often used is uh, against electric vehicles um, is, first off, to – to build them, it takes a lot of rare earth metals, for example. That needs to be mined, and, and batteries need to be made, and that sort of thing. But then, of course, you have to charge them, and that you know you need a power generation source somewhere, which is uh, ostensibly um, adding to uh, you know fossil fuel burning or or climate change in that way. Is the, is the proof out there to really show that, despite all of these other factors involved in production and, and charging of of electric vehicles, that they are still far more Um, uh, environmentally friendly than a combustion engine would be?
2: There there have been a number of studies, you know, cradle to grave, Mm. you know, all the things that have to be mined and built into the car, and then what happens when it runs out. And they find that even, you know, accounting for all of that, it's still significantly better for the environment. And one of the things that doesn't immediately come to mind is when the batteries run out and they're not really good enough for the vehicle anymore— which is probably 10, 15 years down the road, you can still use those batteries. You don't have to throw them in landfill or even recycle them at that point. There are a lot of uh, what are called second life applications for electric hmm. utilities. Okay. So they'll take these. And one of the things that we're seeing in a number of places, Australia, the U.S., uh, Europe, is this excess production of wind and solar or just production when you can't use it and you know you need it during the night for example for solar so you put it into the second life batteries so you have a whole new industry that's developing as a result of that
0: well many of our listeners right now of course will be listening in cars Uh, and their first question is, is, is something that glenn just touched on is is the practicality okay i've got a battery in my car how often do I have to charge it? How long will it last once it's charged? The, I, I imagine these are the practical questions that people are thinking right now as they listen to us. so what are the answers to that? Where is technology at you've put a you've got a, a battery powered car. How long does it last? How often do you need to charge it?
2: Yeah it keeps getting better so what's popular mm. now is cars that have 200 mile range and above mm. and that was one of the issues in the going back to the early Leafs they had this 70 mile range or 50 mile range and people just were worried about running out of power, and they, and they did. But now, do you have 200 miles. For the kind of driving you might do in Singapore, you'd be looking at that might last you a week. Uh, typically, you'll go home, just like with your phone, you plug it in whenever you have charging available. So when you have a convenient charger, you'll plug it in, top it up. And usually you don't, you know, run it down to the bottom. You top yeah, it up yeah, as you course. go along.
1: So, you know, uh, 200 miles, that's 300 over 300 kilometers. Singapore is only 45 exactly. kilometers end-to-end. So end. One charge a
0: week <laughs> is what you're saying, essentially. Exactly. Right? That's, I, I'm, I'm generally surprised by that. Yeah. I, I thought it would be at least three, four, five times a week. So one charge a week. We should be pioneering this technology <laughs> in Singapore, Glenn. <laughs> well, we and, should be. And most people, I'm gathering,
1: if they're going from their house to the office, they're not doing probably more than 30 kilometers round-trip. Nobody. My you know, wife, maybe. I can tell you
0: exactly, my wife has a car. She <laughs> does exactly... Fifteen to eighteen kilometers one way, so it's less than forty kilometers a day. So yeah. she would comfortably one charge a week, and I would imagine that would be the far vast majority of commuters in Singapore and cars. Chris, you are uh, you are the
1: on the boards of Advanced Energy Economy, the Smart Electric Power Association, Smart Energy Europe. You know, you've chaired various organizations, governmental organizations. You've testified to Congress. I mean, you you are really somebody who is at the epicenter of this discussion what What's holding back governments in general from full adoption of these types of, of uh, technologies the electric vehicle technology, aside from the fact that we have you know distance issues and things like that in various places, but from a policy standpoint, what are you hearing are the are the pain points for uh, for governments on this?
2: I would put them in two categories: one is the the obvious political differences that you're seeing in the u s for example where the Trump administration is overruling California on their emissions approach. And California I mean. has a target for adoption of EVs, a specific one that's one of the drivers. And the other one is actually a bit down in the weeds, and I won't get into the details, but there are a lot of details in terms of the implementation of some of the charging infrastructure and some of the – how do people pay for public charging and what kind of information do you provide so to Logistical
1: issues around charging.
2: Yeah. So we are helping providing best practices and explaining you know how to get through those things. But each government has to go through its steps, and which takes a little bit of time.
0: That's an interesting point that I never thought of. I suppose what you're saying is who pays for it, right? I'm guessing a no. petrol station is set up. It's paid for by that particular oil company. But in this case, you're saying – Who pays for the charging stations at my housing estate? Should it be local? uh, Should it be state funding or federal funding in the case of the U.S.? Or should it be private funding of the battery supply? Is that what we're talking about here?
2: That's one of a good example of that. And there are a number of programs. So how can government help with the charging infrastructure? They can provide money. Well, that's easy. But how does it get provided? Does it get provided to the homeowner? Does it get provided to the builder? Does it get Mm, provided to the utility who installs it? So that's just one of many examples.
1: All right, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you drive? What's in your garage?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I've been waiting for BMW to come out with an electric version of my Z4. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. <laughs> well, and I think Mercedes just announced that they're going to be uh, going very deep into uh, creating electric vehicles in the future as well. So some yeah. of these high-end marks are, in addition to Tesla and some of the others, are, are, are really looking at that.
2: Yeah, and Porsche has the hand. I used to have a Porsche, so if yeah. BMW doesn't give me my... My electric C4. Well, if you, you a... don't mind, I'm going to put you
0: on the spot on behalf of all our Singaporean listeners. You champion electric vehicles. What is your view, and you gave me some experiences off air, what is your view on individual personalized mobility uh, vehicles, what we call mm. e scooters in Singapore? They're in the news mm. every day at the moment in Singapore.
2: Well, first of all, I and, drive and, one. In <laughs> and in
0: the U.S. And in the U.S., yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I have one myself. But I, um, there's a, that's another real problem area, right? Because you have sidewalks that were not made for these vehicles. And then putting them on the roads, I mean, I've seen the way people drive in Singapore. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on a scooter with people <laughs> flying by me. So, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a uh, lot
1: of challenges around, again, around the policy and the the actual use and infrastructure around the Yeah, things. and what's
2: happened is these things have just shown up. Companies <laughs> put them out there people start using them you start having issues and then governments step in and, and actually san francisco banned them for a while and mm. they said well now we're going to allow some but we're going to cut back the number way back and it's you know where do you park these what are the rules of the road There's a lot to be worked that's out. an
0: interesting thing so the e-scooter policy in uh, what was it you said uh, california san, yeah, san francisco is similar to our car system here where you almost have a limited number of vehicles on the paths at any one time is that correct correct that's yeah, something to look that's at. An that's an interesting, something to look yeah, at. Yeah, interesting absolutely. concept. absolutely.
1: Well, Chris King, uh, Chief Policy Officer at Siemens Digital Grid, thank you so much for uh, coming on to Weekend Mornings and talking to us about the electric vehicle uh, infrastructure and, and also the, the environment that we're in now and, and where electric vehicles uh, can and need to go in the future.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg